Howdy, howdy, welcome to Bodger's Babblings with your host Katie Bodger, where I babble about my special interest of the hour. Today, I will be talking about something that's at the forefront of several people's minds, which is Bo Burnham's new special, Inside. I've been watching it non-stop since it was released, and it's becoming a bit of a problem because I'm kind of mad because I thought I was fine emotionally, but apparently I have some self-reflecting to do. Thanks a lot, Mr. Burnham. <laughs> I'll be breaking down different aspects of the show, primarily the songs, but like I might focus on some of the visuals and um, a couple of the jokes outside of it. Probably not, um, but just in case uh, people think I'm only in it for the music. Um, I really enjoyed the streaming skit and, um, like, God, the discussing how, um, yeah, it's like putting all the pressure on everyone all the time for nothing is so stupid. It's just, I, I really love Bo's work. And... Honestly, I'll just be discussing my interpretations and the like, and there's not much else to say in regard to preparation, so uh, we'll just start off. The building of the show was wild. The fact that it's not all necessarily chronologically filmed, um, the way he set up his room, the messy behind-the-scenes aspects all put into the forefront as the show goes on, it's so well done. And it connects his comedy to his directing abilities. And he just did such an amazing job. And I've been a fan of Bo Burnham for years and years and years. And I've, I was so excited when I saw um, that he had a special that was going to be released. And I stayed up to watch it. And I have been losing my mind ever since. <laughs> I don't necessarily think it's a comedy special, though. Like, yeah, it has funny moments, but there is the weight and the circumstance that he and a lot of other people right now are in behind every single moment of the show. And it's just... It's impossible to call it a comedy spe special with what he focuses a lot of the stuff on. He might do it in an amusing way. But it's too heavy to consider it a comedy special rather than a special film with comedy in it, you know? And with that, let's get to the songs, because that's what everyone is really here for. And Jesus Christ, they've sent me into an existential crisis. So, we're going to start with content. I love Bo's openings from what's funny to the intro to what. There's no better way to re-enter the scene with something short and sweet, and that hits so many points that we relate to from struggling during the pandemic to missing out on haircuts. And then, ah, oh, the line, interesting, now leave me alone, shows just how much we didn't understand and appreciate human interaction until it was gone. It's a short song, but I genuinely love it so, so much. Comedy. Comedy. Oh my god, comedy. I love this song so much. I don't know why, but like, it's, it's definitely in my top five. 
Um, honestly, it might be in my top two. Uh, like, uh, the acknowledgement of comedy as a concerning coping mechanism that the world is literally ending to the savior complex that so many people in today's society has to just, oh my god, it's so well done. It's so well done. Oh my god. It introduces why comedy right now doesn't seem appropriate and the fact that it feels wrong to find light and humor in a world so fucked up. The vague references that comedy isn't doing everything it should and that it is making an impact to people, but physically it doesn't fix any social struggles. But helping people does make a difference. It That concept is reinforced by lines like, if you wake up in a house that's full of smoke, if you see white men in white cloaks, call me and I'll tell you a joke. A joke in that kind of situation won't do anything to save the individual from the immediate danger that's present, but it will help them feel better. And the fact that he picks two situations where he could theoretically be able to help, getting their location, getting descriptions of the people, um, uh, finding out, uh, whether or not they're injured or if they can get out of the house that's burning down, Theoretically, he could save this person, but will joke instead. And, like, the idea that artists, even artists that critique their profession, aren't willing to give away their wealth in order to better the world. Even though we all claim we want to, we want to better it, how much are we really helping others and each other with art? Because art is so important, but it are we actually making an impact? Because it's not really. The answer is that we are making a literal difference to people. But in terms of actually making a difference, we're doing it metaphorically, just like he says in the song. Because we aren't actually fixing anything. We're just making people feel better about the situation that they're in. And I just, God, it's so good. I fucking love comedy so much as a song. And like, if we go into the white guy aspect, the fact that he's literally given a mission from God to do the bare fucking minimum is so fucking hysterical to me. The fact that he's a white guy and that white guys could have done so much because they've been running the show for hundreds of years, but they fucked it all up. Now they can be rewarded for being half decent. And the fact that they're not willing to help if they aren't the forefront because otherwise it's not interesting. Jesus, God, he's brilliant. He is a brilliant writer and the things he calls out, it's why he's like my favorite comedian. It's the way he's, he tackles so many different issues, but he does it in a light and very enjoyable way. And while we're on the white guy subject, can we talk about how Bo Burnham is a special kind of white guy? God, I need a 10 hour loop of him saying, I'm a special kind of white guy on like loop. I just need that one line repeatedly because it's golden. And the amount of pathetic joy I get from when he says that is unreal. He has done stuff in the past for shock value and his comedy has improved significantly over time. He's gotten better at 
doing what he does, which is critiquing things effectively through comedy. But, and he relates and respects women. He calls out sexist superlative, superlatives. Um, he realizes that art has become a flawed career. But the fact that he doesn't just jive into issues and he actually talks about them with things like God's Perspective and um, Straight White Men and just so many of his songs in the past. It's just, I love Bo Burnham so much. And yes, he has issues and he has done things that aren't great in the past. But it's all been an attempt at critiquing the world and those ideas. And just go, Bo. And with me um, gushing about comedy for like 10 minutes straight, we're moving on to the next one, which was FaceTime with my mom tonight. Here's the thing. I don't hate the song. Maybe it's just because of the placement in the show. Maybe if it had been before comedy or not directly after, um, I would like it more. Because here's the thing. I do like it. I like the vibe. It's a relatable aspect. I really like the how you doing, bud. I s he says, how you doing, bud? I say, I'm not so bad. And that's the deepest talk we've ever had. Um, and then, like, the shift from spending time to wasting time FaceTiming with my mom. It kind of touches on how we miss social interaction, but how annoying it can be to actually have it. And how frustrating it is when there is a screen blocking that social interaction. Because you can't do it in person, but doing it through a screen isn't the same. And it's just a reminder that they're not there in person. And I'm not saying it's a bad song. There's just nothing to push me into being engaged with it. Like, it's in my bottom three of the show. And I feel bad because a lot of people have it ranked fairly highly. But I just don't. <laughs> and that brings us to how the world works. I think the downfall of FaceTime with my mom tonight is that it's in between two really engaging songs with really good, like, topics in done in really interesting ways um because uh how the world works um I loved it so much like so so much <laughs> um it's not in I don't even know if it's in my top 10 but I just really enjoyed it like oh my god it was hysterical the use of the sock like socko the sock puppet I was, oh my god, I, I was so pleasantly surprised with this, because it's like, I knew something was gonna happen as soon as he was, like, directing it towards kids, but, like, I'm surprised Bo didn't make a masturbation joke with the sock puppet. Maybe he did, and I'm just really fucking asexual, but, like, I don't think he did, and I was, I was surprised he didn't. Um, but it was a lovely and educational song, even with the heavier stuff, especially with the heavier stuff. Because it made me think about how we treat kids like they don't get things. Like they're incapable of understanding heavier material. When they really do. They really understand it. And it, yeah, it sucks. But like, kids should know that the world is built on blood and how fucked it is. And that calling white people and then calling white people out 
for not educating themselves and making minorities teach them and use the excuse of self-betterment as the reasoning when a Google search could have done the exact same thing. And then, like, God. And then white people will turn against minorities as soon as they're called out on their racism or privilege um, or ignorance because, um, like, it's just, ah, uh, it's, it's golden. And... Like, of course, Sako plays, like, kind of the minority here, you know? Um, and then, even with, um, Sako's, uh, how do you say, cooperation? Um, so he doesn't freaking go back to the bad place. His own existential crisis. His own, um, constant sleep paralysis state. Um, Bo turns on him. Bo turns on Sako anyway, and just like certain white people, it's like, you can be as kind, you can be as supportive as you want, but sometimes there's just ignorance and prejudice that's there that doesn't go away, and you, people will turn on minorities as soon as they're called out, and it's terrible, but I guess that's just how the world works, you know? And then... White woman's Instagram. This is the most beautifully shot, like, scene, sequence, whatever you want to call it, I have ever seen before. The amount of effort. The, oh my god, it was golden. It was beautiful. The amount of effort that he put into, like, oh, it was cinematic and just regular beauty. And then call it, the fact that the entire song is calling out white women on Instagram without, like, bringing them down and insulting them. I, I watched this show, like, this part, like, this song, like, five times. Just because the first three I had to, like, focus on the visuals because they were so pretty. And then I listened to the lyrics. Um... And it's like, we control what we put on the internet. And we often put the, out the beautiful, pretty things, and then we hide everything bad. But if we do get on an emotional le level, it's to a really lengthy degree. Like, the entire verse um, discuss of uh, someone missing their parents because it's been a year since they were gone. And, like, even though we control what we put online, we still goof up, such as the Lord of the Rings quote mistakenly applied to MLK or the derogative street art. It's just, God, um, white woman's Instagram is such a beautiful sequence. And, yeah, it's just talking about the different aspects of what they put on Instagram. But it's still, there's still a lot to it with the simplistic lyrics that can be, can be seen, can be looked into. And then you have Unpaid Intern. I don't know why, but I love this so much. It's such a short, simple song. Maybe it's the scat, maybe it's the vibe, I don't know, but it's beautiful and I love it so much. Um, like, the substance isn't all there, but, like, that kind of comes in the reaction. But, like, people will explain everything and everything if given the chance, similar to what I'm doing now. Um, 
but for such a short song, I'm in love with it. I wish he had done it a bit more similarly to something like Straight White Man, where he actually, like, discusses. You'll find the theme with my least favorite songs is that I would have liked a bit more substance to them, because I really like um, the way he critiques the world through his music, and it's just... He could have done that with a lot of them, but, like, I really do love Unpaid Intern. Like, oh my god. And then... <sighs> Bezos 1, and I'm gonna do Bezos 1 and 2 in the same, um, list, or explanation kind of thing, because I don't want to talk about it twice. I don't mind it. Yes, it sounds very fun. Like, I would, I will jam to it if it comes on. However, I'm not gonna put it onto a cat, uh, playlist unless it's about eating the rich, you know? There's a little bit of substance there, but if you're going to tackle the pig that Jeff Bezos is, do it better. Like, uh, just do it better. It's not that hard. He is a blood-sucking, selfish piece of shit, and he is the leader of and um, God to other shitty entrepreneurs, but he could have been, you like, you could have included so much more when it came to ripping him apart. But, like, this one and... Uh, so, Bezos 1 and 2 are my least favorite in the show. Like, Bezos 1 um, is second to least, and Bezos 2 is my least favorite. But I genuinely like the aspect of having, um, like, Bezos getting two songs and more pointless attention than he deserved, because I feel, like, accurate, you know? But needless to say that the scream of the end of Bezos 1 rounds up my thoughts for these two songs. Sexting. Ooh, yay. As an asexual bitch, I still love this song. It's so enjoyable. Oh my god. The concern about insulting her or objectifying her. The shot with him and his phone in front of the wall with, like, the big text block that's like, I'm sorry if I'm killing the mood, but I just want you to know that I don't want to pressure you into doing anything and that you don't have to do anything if you want to. But if you want to send a picture of your boobs, that'd be cute and I'd really like it. And it's like, I really like you and I don't want to pressure you into doing anything. Just know that. And it's like, I won't be mad if you don't want to do anything anymore. Like, it was just, oh, I love that part particular shot so much um and just like I love the eraser head baby reference because Jesus Christ that thing was fucking disgusting and we don't talk about it enough um that was a crime to humanity I swear to god um and then oh god I really enjoyed um the fact that he asks for pictures but doesn't want to send his own like, the things that masculinity does. Because she was probably feeling insecure too, right? Like, there is an unbalance where women usually end up showing off more. Or if guys do it very confidently. And if they aren't feeling very confident, they won't do it. Like, they won't send. Or they'll request and then, again, won't send. Or they'll send um, pictures of, like, porn stars or whatever. It's so stupid. Um, and then the, then Bo's phone dies. And once again, screens do not sufficiently replace human interaction, even the sexual kind. Like, yes, it was very funny having the emojis moving on to words, but like, 
I'm a writer. And theoretically, if anyone was to sext, I should choose sexting as my f- chosen form of sexual interaction with future partners. Just because I can write like a motherfucker, but sex is yucky. Um, so it feels like a decent balance. That doesn't change the fact that screens do not sufficiently replace human interaction. Please repeat it after me. Um, oh... Look who's inside again. This is one of my... <sighs> Comedy is probably in, like, my top ten Bo Burnham songs of all time. Look who's inside again is in my top five for the show. And <sighs> it's the songs later on that make it so impactful. However, I really do, I really do enjoy it, and it's, you'll see a theme with my favorite songs. Um, I just love the singing about his situation and the fact that all of us have to be inside right now, but when you're a performer and you rely on an audience reaction to give you your best, and the fact that he's back in the same situation he began in when he started uh, filming videos on YouTube with a keyboard and a camera and a need to do something. The first introduction of the lines, well, well, look who's inside again, went out to look for a reason to hide again. Well, well, buddy, you found it. Now come out with your hands up. We've got you surrounded. Um, is that's our first introduction to those lines. And that line has been making me lose my mind. And I'll tell you why specifically later, but like, as he was a kid who posted comedy videos to YouTube, he got famous. He felt so guilty and anxious about it that he quit. He left the public view. But people love him. His content, people want more. But when I really talk about this line, I'm going to save it for towards the end just because that's going to be intense and I feel like it's it's more appropriate because those lines peak up again later on in the show. But if we're finishing with um, Look Who's Inside Again, then we have Problematic. Oh boy, I'm excited to talk about this one. At his core, Bo Burnham is a privileged white man. No matter what he does, that's those are his roots. And he has said several offensive things in his songs over the years. And under normal circumstances, if anyone else tried to do what he does, they'd be cancelled because they wouldn't do it right. He has accomplished what very few people can do. He was offensive in a somewhat progressive way. A lot of the time, at least. Sometimes there was needless... Um, offense thrown out there for shock value, but that, a lot of the time, there was a point to the insult, you know? The fact he calls himself out because other people don't is really interesting. The fact that he's been, he's been one of those, like, token whites where it's like, we don't touch this one. He's, he's a good one. We don't care about anything bad. He does. Um, 
he has regrets though and as someone with privilege there's always going to be ignorance but he has grown and honestly this song is in part asking people to hold him accountable while holding himself accountable and saying sorry at the same time this is almost like his own apology visually he asks to be held accountable by burying himself on a fucking cross ready to pay for his sins but like in comedy he's not literally nailed into the cross he just stands in the spotlight bear just stands in the spotlight bearing himself to our judgment as an audience and i think that's really interesting and oh but then there's the lyric i've done a lot of reflecting since i started singing this song which i it really plays on the fact that a lot of influencers aren't genuine with their apologies and they wouldn't think about their actions twice if they hadn't had an audience calling them out on it. Like, I don't get to share whether or not he should be forgiven for his past actions because I'm not in the group of people he may have offended, but I think it's not a bad way to start. I think it's because of how he's grown and um, the, the fact that he clearly acknowledges the fact that he, he made mistakes. Um, he's starting, and I feel like that's really important to acknowledge. Then there's 30. Oh my gosh, 30. I feel like aging, like quarantine has aged a lot of us. But, like, entering a whole new decade of your life in quarantine must suck. Like, I thought, oh my god, I would shoot myself in the brain. I would put a bullet into my head with a gun. Um, that line, when he says that line in the beginning of the show, he sounds very similar to another celebrity to me. But I can't quite pinpoint it. And I don't know why I feel like I should share it. But, like, I don't know. It just, that, that just came up. Um, I just thought about that now. Um, but you practice this song, you practically watch him enter a midlife crisis as he comes to terms with his age and everything going on in his life and other people's lives at the same time. And they're theoretically should be at the same point, but they're on very different levels of stability. He talks about being active and having hope and that as you age, it gets harder to do and that hope is less like less real almost just because it's like you're in the real world you're already doing shit why would what what do you have to hope for you know like but then you have like bright lights during the chorus um where he's repeating that he's turning 30 meaning aging isn't the end of the world and there is a light at the end of the tunnel wherever the end may be um and then the colorful lights towards the end that connect youth to that 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 can connect his age to youth and fun, even though he's still 30. It was an interesting lighting choice for sure. And I just got everything in this show was just so beautifully done. I cannot get over it. And then you have the generational experience and how people in their 20s in the past had to fight in wars or work full time on their for farms to keep their families afloat. Then that the pressure on young adults has kind of faded, but there's still generational misunderstanding and hate for no reason. And as you get older, you almost feel worse for making fun of older people, even if they deserved it, because as we age, the younger people 
make fun of you. And then it's just, it's a never ending cycle where it's like people grow and they get made fun of and then they are closed minded because, oh, young people are just stupid, blah, blah, blah. And it can really cause a problematic cycle of ageism and we all could work and exist together, but we just don't. But then you look left and right and it feels like people have their lives put together and they're getting married and having kids. And why does it all have to be happening so soon? Because like, I'm not ready to grow up, but like everyone else seems perfectly content to do so. But there is no time limit for doing that. But seeing other people around you growing up and settling down, honestly, it's just, it's a lot. It is so much. And the idea towards the end that you're only important if you're young, that once you're old enough, you're irrelevant. But in regard to the end of the song and everything in this show, honestly, crisis hotlines are 24 hours a day. Google one for your state, your country, anywhere. And just know that people care about you. And for better or for worse, whatever you're going through, this too shall pass. And it's just, yeah, just... Take care of yourself, okay? Do what you need to do to be okay, but make sure you're, you stay okay. Or don't, it's okay to not be okay, but just stick around, you know? But 30 leads to a bit of a shift in the show. Turn to disc two. Disc two starts off with don't want to know. And I really like this one because my mom always told me uh, tell me what I need to know, what not what I want to hear. And this feels like something similar. He wants us to enjoy it. He's worried we aren't. It's his first special in five years. And as much as he wants us to enjoy it, the fear that we won't is even more prevalent. And it's just... I almost feel bad, but, like, it's just... I really like this song. And it's... It's an interesting tone. And you see... A bit more of his anxiety and his concern and his need to please his audience who at the time isn't there and as he's getting through his show and as we are all making it through quarantine yeah we all feel like shit I agree Bo I also smell look and feel like a bag of shit all of the time and I'm just rapidly declining all of the time it's fine and I find it very funny that the lights and the tune of this song are so enjoyable and it's so pretty and it's so fun and entertaining and it's like it's kind of ironic because it's like he doesn't want to get lit and he feels like shit and so do we and we're all in the same boat, but the song is just so fucking fun that, oh yeah, I would, I would groove to it if it came on in the car, even though, um, I don't want to get lit. I'm feeling like a bag of shit. Um, I would, I would, I would groove. I would vibe, but yeah. And then, uh, shit goes into all time low. And I feel like probably a little controversially this was a very appropriate method of delivery delivery as someone with generalized anxiety disorder 
I think that anyone, anyone with anxiety and depression can relate to the overwhelming anxiety that comes with waking up every morning, especially right now, because at times it just feels pointless and like we want to die. And I agree, Bo, it's not great. Um, but yeah, the fact that um, when he describes the feeling, it goes into song because there are okay moments despite it. And it's just, it can be very intense all the time. And so with the sun shift into song, it can almost be a replacement for a start of feeling like anxiety is coming on. And I just, I really, I really enjoy that little, that little tidbit. And I find it very um, funny that uh, both feeling like a bag of shit and um, my heart begins racing and I feel like I want to die um are two of the most energetic bright fun songs on the thing considering their um content speaking of content welcome to the internet again one of my top five so excited to talk about this one because i love his commentary on art and on different music genres and how flawed they are. And so hearing him talk about the internet when he's done Welcome to YouTube in the past, um, I was really excited for this piece when he started it. And holy fucking shit, I did not expect what came next, even though I really should have. Um, the things he talks about are so scattered and come at you so quickly. And the rhythm and the feeling of the song, like it's just... More, 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 more. Here's more information. Keep scrolling. Go, go, go. Don't turn off your phone. You might miss something. It just feels like it's so scattered and he comes at you so quickly, but it's also in a calm enough sense that it catches you off guard, like much of what you'll find while scrolling through social media. Like, oh yeah, here's a nine-year-old who died. Here's a tip on straining pasta, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like, it's apathy is so prevalent and it's oh my god there's so much fun and stupid but also concerning shit on the internet and the terrible things come from both the woke and those who are extremely conservative it's like um people on the left will send death threats to people on the right for being stupid and then people on the right are so stuck in their ways and their beliefs that they won't grow and learn to accept other people and honestly, why would you when the people that are trying to encourage you to accept people are telling you to go kill yourself at the same time? Like, the fact that there's so much real information on the internet that those who are gullible won't even know what else to do but dive once hearing a piece of false information. And the fact that there has been so much development in tech in the last 20 years that my generation was screwed from the get-go because, of course, we are going to enjoy everything made available to us that's shiny and new. We were obviously going to get addicted to our screens and the world changed so much because of technology and we're at the forefront of that. And, oh my God, it's the price we pay for the entire world and more available right at our fingertips is terrible it's apathy 
And it's tragic, and no wonder we're all so burnt out while we're watching the world implode from our screen in our fucking hand. I'm sure you're probably starting to tell. I'm kind of starting to question everything and just lose my mind. And this is when that really starts to hit. Because we are watching the entire world blow up, fall apart from a phone in our goddamn hand. And the way it disconnects us from all of that is absurd. And then Welcome to the Internet goes into Bezos 2, and I feel like it has to, because if Bezos 2 wasn't in between Welcome to the Internet and That Funny Feeling, it would be four very intense songs, one after the other, and I feel like it wouldn't be watchable. Like, I know several people who had to pause it while watching the show for the first time just to grasp what they were hearing and watching. But, like, if Bezos 2 wasn't in between Welcome to the Internet and That Funny Feeling, I feel like people would... We wouldn't be functional. And I really like That Funny Feeling because it's a slower pace. It's a guitar rather than the synth. It's, like, the first song like it on this particular... um in this particular show and like he lists several different things and the fact that we get it we understand what he's talking about despite how vague he is it kind of scares me but there's so much that we see we're so disconnected and that funny feeling pops up the concern the anger but it's all mild like it's irritating it's frustrating but we treat everything with the same level of response oh that woman just died because she couldn't afford her medication a new season of the show i watch is bringing back a fan favorite oh more hate crimes more police brutality okay okay the world sucks it's just like an internal it's like the feeling you get when you're doom scrolling and it's just bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. But like it's everything you consume on the internet because there's so much bad and then you just you get numb to the badness and then the good doesn't seem worth celebrating. And like like welcome to the internet. Um brings to life the apathy that gets discussed in Welcome to the Internet. Um, because, yeah. And then the, um, the Googling derealization, um, made me Google derealization, and, um, all I have to say to that one was, fuck you, Bo, I didn't need to discover that about myself right now, thanks a lot. Um, this entire song is an embodiment of derealization, disassociation, apathy. All of it is just insane. And the fact that he gives the world seven more years, and with the way we and big corporations treat each other and the world, he might not be that far off. 
and the fact that it might all be over soon and it could be any day and we are overdue. Things change and people have had the chance after chance to fix it and change it and we don't. So who knows, maybe the rains being taken, taken away wouldn't be a terrible thing. Maybe us being wiped out wouldn't suck that much. And maybe we could fix it. Even though we've been trying for so long, or it feels like we have been, it hasn't amounted to anything. But like, maybe we could keep trying, and who knows, maybe a miracle would happen. But it's just... It's a really fucking funny feeling. All the time. And, um, yeah. That would bring us into All Eyes on Me. And then, once again, top five for sure. And it really, this song drives me nuts because Bo was gonna come back. He was going to come back and start performing live comedy. And then the pandemic caused so much regression. But he still came back. He didn't let it get to him. He made this and he touched so many people. And all eyes on him because this is his show. His comeback. He's the one who needs saving because he's an artist and our heads should be down. And we should pray for him because if he's an artist, then he's a terrible, selfish person, right? Even though he made this in an attempt to help himself get through this and to give other people hope and to maybe make them be okay too. Um... And then the fact that he forces audience participation by grabbing the camera and waving it around. Because at home, we weren't going to stand up. We weren't going to get our hands up. So him taking the camera, even if we don't physically get up, we are moving. We are watching things move. It's as if we are getting up. It's an aggressive approach, but gets a response, even if just by swinging the viewer around with you. Um... And then the line, we're going to go where everybody knows. Now, this line makes me question it. Like, I question it a lot. Is it outside, inside? Probably, probably inside um, because of a line later on in the show. Or is it just commentary of being in the public eye so that nothing is pro- is private? But then again, not everyone knows what that's like. Um which is evident by the demand on performers and um, uh, the entitlement people feel to um, uh, artists, actors, comedians' lives, you know? Um, Is it just a reverse on the common trope of hiding away from the world where people can be alone together because we've already been alone, so why not go out and about because wouldn't that be better like I just there's so much to that one line that it could be nothing but like I just don't know and there's so many things it could be I find it really interesting and I really like how he kind of keeps it vague even though I'm pretty sure that um where everybody knows is inside because, well, this past year quarantine, we've been having to stay inside. And then the 
Are you feeling nervous? Are you having fun? It's almost over. It's just begun. Don't overthink this. Look in my eye. Don't be scared. Don't be shy. Come on in. The water's fine. You say the ocean's rising like I give a shit. You say the whole world's ending. Honey, it already did. Those lyrics encapsulate the show. The world right now just so well. We are allowed to feel different emotions regardless of the bigger picture, but in the long run, it doesn't fucking matter how we feel. Because the world's fucked, and we're doing everything we can, but it's time for leaders and corporations to step up and fix what they've enabled and caused, because civilians cause a fraction of the damage. And we just went through a plague. We saw people enter an apocalyptic-type response. We know how selfish um, humanity is at its core, or at least in the world we've created, the society that we've created. And it's like, I'm the type of person where it's like, if everyone is so terrible in the world, if everything is really so bad, why don't we start from scratch, you know? Um, one time I made a comment to my mom, she's like, well, if every sex offender um, in the world, everyone who's committed some form of mis sexual misconduct went to prison, the world would fall apart. And I didn't respond with anything other than let it. And it's like, people, like, there are good people in the world, but like, we dream of making impacts, of being heroes, but we can only do so much, you know? We can try, and even in the worst of times, we can keep trying. It might feel pointless. It might be pointless, but that's how we fight. That's how we keep going. It's part of our reason to exist, to try. And it's like, people are getting better, but like, at this point, we need to be considerate of other people. Because it might not be a matter, it might not matter in seven years, but right now, in the present, it does. So we have to keep caring, we have to keep trying, and we should all put our heads, at, heads down and pray for each other that we can get through it all. That there is a reason for it all, because I'm questioning the meaning of everything right now, but I know right now, it matters. Being here, trying to help others, it matters. It has to, you know? And this brings me to the favorite song on the special, Goodbye. I've always been a sucker for songs that call back to earlier songs, and this one is just so well done from the transition from the work in progress to the complete song finished at the end. Like, his career is performing for people who, in cases like this, aren't even there. He's making jokes for people He's trying so hard for an audience that might hate it, that might not even exist. And he has no response at the time of creation at all. He has no idea to know how people will respond to it. He, and honestly, people responded really well and like, obviously, but with his anxieties and his difficulty with his career it's it's it would definitely be difficult and this song is slow it's a lower energy 
it's a proper send-off, but, like, he's also losing power at the same time. Because we might be watching this for an hour, but he's been doing it for over a year. Like, this show took him over a year to make. And we watch an hour of it. And he promises to never go outside again, which in theory could be to protect people during the pandemic, but it could also be regression, slipping into his old self, hiding away from the world because it's safer. But then again, in All Eyes on Me, we see, like, yeah, he could have regressed, but he made the special anyway. So maybe he's locking himself inside still. Maybe that's where he hasn't overcome that obstacle yet. But he's performing. He's getting through that aspect of it all. And oh god. The fact that he grew up with technology too. The fact that he was just a kid. And he wanted what everyone else did. And he suffered for it. Just like the rest of us. Apathy. Boredom. Anxiety. Like guilt the guilt he feels from performing oh my god just listen to art is dead and you'll know his thoughts on his career like honestly and then there's the mixed hypocrisy and self-loathing with the call back to the when i wake up in a house that's full of smoke i'll panic so call me up and tell me a joke when i'm told when i'm completely irrelevant and totally broken damn it call me up and tell me a joke that's his fear of his fear is performing it's also irrelevance and those two things paired up together when introduced with the concept that if it isn't the time to be joking how dare you like he was joking and it's that standard that's the issue, like, but, like, the, oh, shit, you're really joking at a time like this, the standard, the little bit of hypocrisy and self-loathing in that line, oh, my God, because, like, how dare you party, but I can because I'm famous, don't say the n-word, but don't get mad at me when I say it, it's just so Oh, so beautiful and intense and, ah, like, oh shit, you're really joking at a time like this when he would do the same thing in that situation. Like, ah, it's, I, but you don't know if he's talking to someone who's going to tell him a joke and try to comfort him, or you don't know if he's talking about himself and the fact that it's despicable that he's trying to do that. It's... And then we're hit with the callback to, well, well, look who's inside again. But it goes from Bo's own words, where he's singing it, his own thoughts, to an external force. Well, well, buddy, you found it. Because during the second callback, he's, Bo isn't singing it, someone's singing to him. He's naked, he's put on, he's put on display, and he's caught off guard, and he's scared. 
But, like, if you're staying inside forever, even with the pandemic ending, it's not safety. It's hiding from your friends, family, the world. It's not healthy. And, like, it's... You can worry as much as you want, but if you look for a reason to hide and jump on the opportunity, and then, like, it's just that idea where it's like, oh, you chose this situation, you don't get to say you're unhappy, you know? But, like, people want him to come out. People want him to reemerge. And, like, this show was him reemerging. So, like, yeah, he came out. His hands were up. He put himself back on display. He put himself back out there. This show was evidence of that. So you can... But, like, it's just... It's so much... All at once. And the ending, like, those lyrics really hit hard for me. Because I've always been isolated myself. And I was fine with that. Until I watched the rest of the world going on normally without me after graduation. And how irrelevant I was to so many people around me in the grand scheme of things. And I wanted to change that. I want to write, to be remembered, to improve representation. To be someone's first choice. To have real friends outside of school and work because I have so few right now. For people to not be scared to ask me to do stuff and bother me because it wouldn't for so long. It wouldn't bother me, but for so long, I've been so alone and I just don't know how to live any other way, you know? And like changing the way I exist, it's hard. It's absolutely fucking terrifying. And I was having trouble, so when the pandemic came, there wasn't a huge day in my everyday life, except for the all the events and the little interaction that I had with people disappearing. And I didn't go back to in-person school when the opportunity arised, and I regret that every day, but I gave up. I lost the will to try to change my ways, and I was ready to accept the suffering that came along with missing people, because in reality, it's like, it felt easier because I hadn't fully come out of my shell yet, so I knew people weren't missing me, and so hiding away and staying hidden, staying hidden it was easier, and like, I didn't feel guilty because I knew nobody was gonna, nobody was gonna really care, you know? Because to them, oh, it's like, Katie's not around, you know? But that's not abnormal. And I can't say I was or am unhappy because I let it happen. I let the pandemic push me back, but unlike Bo, I just regressed. I didn't do anything with it. I just bottled up so many emotions and let this entire thing overwhelm me. And I just, I couldn't. But like, after everything that's happened, like everything that's happened has already happened. And I'm not, and I'm not going to be able to do anything to change the past. I can just focus on getting better, pushing myself to be and do better. And over time, I'll get there. But it takes time and it takes effort. And that's why it's so important not to give up. Not 
to let things like things make you question whether or not anything and everything is worth it. Because in the end, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, there's a strain. But it is important. And you are important. And yeah, you matter. And people... People did miss me, I would hope. I know my parents, like, my mom, my sister, like, they they would have appreciated me being more present, but I wasn't. And I'm working on being better, but, like, it takes time, so don't be scared if it takes time for you, too. I'm sorry I kind of kind of went off there, but um I was I I kind of lost my place with um what I had written out for um the uh the ending in any day now, but I found it again. Um but so right after um goodbye saying that he's he'll never go out in outside again that he's staying inside forever after he's telling other people to get inside. He goes outside immediately. He confer and then everybody laughs at him and he can't get back inside. He confirms the fear of going out into the open. And he almost proves to the audience that you can't trust what influencers tell you. But then you can't trust them even more because he's still inside. He's watching himself just like we do. He put himself on display, but not in the way we thought. Still through a screen, he's still inside. And then, oh god, I just, I really like the ending of it because of that aspect. And then you have the credit song, which is just, um, it'll end any day now. Any day now. Um, and it just repeats that. And it's just, it's so real because, like, it's what we've been feeling. It's what we've been telling ourselves since March 2020. It'll be over any day now. But then pe- the people in power, the people around us who didn't follow restrictions, they failed us. They failed to look out for the fellow human being, their fellow human beings, all because of selfishness. And honestly, I feel like it really pushes a theme similar to Art is Dead, even though it's just one line repeated and repeated. People care more about themselves, their own celebrations, than the well-being and hard work of others. And honestly, the amount of faith lost in humanity during this last year has been concerning. But in reality, we cannot forget that a lot of people, everyday average people, they stepped up. They were the most responsible out of all of this. And they put the most effort in to do this well. Um, and they did. And it's good people like that who did follow restrictions, who who were good. And they... Maybe all hope isn't lost after all for the world, for people. Maybe I've been too mean about it. 